Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Masked Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Retro Overdrive, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, Keith Gasper, and Diskimera. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Welcome to The Flight, a consumable curation of champions and catastrophes that is considerate of your chronometer. It's me, Chris. Welcome to The Flight, presented by the Retro Hangover Podcast. And I am, as always, joined by Shane Dick Dragon. Koski, what's going on, man? (laughs) Uh, We're presenting the polar opposite introduction from our our normal episodes. You know, I got all things in balance. Yes, this is the easygoing one. That's right. Yeah, I feel like we just have smooth jazz playing in the background. Yeah, baby. This is like the NPR version of RHP. This is RHP you make love to. <laughs> this this is the sensual RHP. That's why it's shorter to appeal to most of our audience. Yeah, because that- we know if this was an hour, I mean, you'd just be there sitting, looking at each other awkwardly <laughs> for. For 55 minutes. That's right. You paid for the whole hour, but. (laughs) All right. So what is today's topic, Shane? I believe we are discussing our completely uh, objective choices regarding the best mini games in gaming. Ooh. Yeah. Now, this one was kind of hard. I had to look up and remind myself what was a mini game because I just don't remember many mini games from games, to be honest with you. So this one was kind of difficult. Yeah, I ha- I had a few that came immediately to mind, but then yeah, I had to do some digging too, and then I, I I remembered some stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Actually, with th- with this list, I had to do a little bit of reconfiguring. I, I dropped some things off because um, I actually ended up with more more than our top five restriction could handle. So all right, Shane. So let's start this list. Uh, who went first last time? Uh, you know what? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was you. So I guess I'll I'll go ahead and start. Sounds good. Number five. All right. So I uh, so with this list, I mean, technically we probably could have done them just in any order, but I I don't know how you tackled it, Chris. But I I kind of put them in in some kind of an order in. I think really what I settled on was uh, what was more important to me, like what I enjoyed more. So that that would make your top five a top five then. Yeah, it would. Well, when you put it that way, God damn it. Anyway, fine. Yes, it is in fact a top five. Listen, the reason I say that is because some of these top fives are not going to be that way. This this one is. So fine. Anyway, if you say so. The least important thing on my list, <laughs> number five. Uh, motor combat for Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So if you're not familiar, 
the Mortal Kombat series is not a stranger to having nifty little mini games in it. Uh, I mean, fighting games in general tend to have some of those in some cases. Uh, I mean, I might be spoiling somebody's, but I mean, Street Fighter certainly is pretty famous for having little mini games in between fights. Um, of but uh, Motor Combat was probably one of the best ones from the Mortal Kombat series. They tried some other things like chess, didn't work out quite as well, but this was quite literally Mario Kart built into an MK game. You had 10 racers with five different tracks to choose from. And each one of the racers, who of course was a selection of fighters from the game, um, and you had a lot of your staples. You had like Sub-Zero, Baraka, Scorpion. You also had Bo Cho in there, but nobody wants to talk about that. Uh, nope. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh. the, the very fat drunk man. So anyway, um, well, the cool thing, well, a couple of cool things really, is that this wasn't it, just like a throwaway. Like it was actually a pretty good kart racing game, all things considered. Um, each racer had a unique special ability that you could use by collecting the special stars that were floating like on the track. Um, and each track had, you know, pretty dynamic stuff. There were pretty cool jumps, um, speed booster areas, um, and a couple other things. And so for something that was really kind of like a totally optional sort of throwaway little thing, having a fully functional kart racing game built into Mortal Kombat um, was really neat. So that's why it's made it onto my my list at number five. What about you, Chris? My number five is Hacking from Near Automata as uh, 9S. So I, I don't think you've played this game. Uh -huh. I know you've heard us talk about it. But in between when you're doing a bunch of fluid and fun, albeit repetitive combat, essentially yes. just doing the same thing over and over again, you can have the option of hacking into your opponent since all your opponents are robots. And once you hack your enemies, it becomes a twin stick shooter. Hmm. And you just shoot all the things you need to shoot and then your enemy takes damage or dies. And you can do this as many times as you want to to pretty much any enemy in the game. So if you're a fan of twin stick shooters, that is a method to take down your opponents as 9S in Nier Automata. And I'm not phenomenal at twin stick shooters, but I do think they are a good time. So I will, you know, shout it out any single time I run into it when it's an optional thing you can do in a, in a game that's like Nier Automata. Number four. All right, moving on to our number four. Um, this one, I'll be honest with you. I actually don't have a ton of personal experience with this, but I put it on my list because I felt like I felt like I was obligated to do it just in case you didn't call this out because it's so popular and so important to so many people that I didn't want it to not be on one of our lists. So that is the Chow Garden from Sonic Adventure 2. Technically, I hate you. <laughs> technically, this was in, I think, the first one as well, but it was like yeah. this fully fleshed out thing in Sonic Adventure 2. And I have a feeling that this is also on Chris's list based on his reaction to me yeah. bringing this up. Is it your number four? It is. Oh, shit. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know what, everybody? I'm going to let Chris talk about Chow Gardens then. So go ahead, Chris. Uh, so Chow Gardens are this just 
area of Sonic Adventure 2 that you go into and you have these little things called chows. And chows are like the offspring of chaos or some shit. I, I can't remember the specifics of it. But they're cute little things that have just kind of been around in the Sonic universe now ever since Sonic Adventure came out. And every single time you kill bad guys, you get animals, just like you do in Sonic, that you collect and you send back to the chow garden. And you can take these animals, and these animals will give certain attributes to your chow. So you pick up an animal, and you shove it in your chow's face, and you're, you're, I don't know if your chow consumes it, or I don't know. Now that I think about it, I can't remember. I mean, I don't think they eat it. It's just like they rub up against it and absorb its powers through osmosis. So it's really weird. But they get all these statistics, and then you can take your chow and race it against other chows, and it gets, like, powerful, and I think it gets you special items and stuff. Uh, it's just a very addictive Tamagotchi-type game, which doesn't result you in having to pick up poo or or killing your cute pet or anything like that. Mm. And you can have multiple chows, and you can get different eggs. And the more you configure their statistics, they evolve into different-looking chows, and they get different attributes, and they can all look different. And, there's like some Easter eggs on top of it. So the Chow Garden is addictive, especially if you put it onto your VMU because there is a pocket game. There's a VMU game that you can play with your Chow on the go and level up your Chow and then bring it back and then transfer all your progress for that VMU that probably lasted you all of 10 minutes uh, <laughs> while you were playing. So it, it's it's a fun distraction. It is probably the best part about Sonic Adventure 2 aside from the Sonic levels. Uh, there's there's a reason Shane found it and had to mention it. Yep. So uh, there's that, especially since he didn't play it. And, you know, I have, and it's been a long time since I played it. But it needs to be mentioned because it is, it's fantastic. It's such, it's so adorable. You have you have to mention it. It needs to be there. So here, I guess we're on to number three, Shane. I, so I guess I it's guess back so. to you. Yeah, thanks. All right. Number three. All right, coming in at number three, uh, I I highly doubt that this is going to be the same for both of us, although it would be mm. hilarious if we just kept doing that. But my number three is Super Turbo Turkey Puncher 3 for Doom 3. No, it, that's all yours. Fantastic. I kind of figured it might be. It was an FPS after all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so technically speaking, this is a mini game that can also be found, I believe, in Doom Eternal, if I'm not mistaken. But its first uh, appearance was in Doom 3. And so you can find this on an in-game arcade machine that's located in one of the uh, like break rooms in the in the moon base that you are on. And it's it's basically modeled after those Street Fighter mini games that I mentioned earlier where the entire point is trying to bash the shit out of something as fast as possible within a time limit, hence Super Turbo Turkey Puncher 3. Um, I think actually the... Punch a turkey. Yeah, the logo for it also looks very, very similar to Street Fighter's logo. Um, it should. But yeah, basically that's all it is. You just punch turkeys until they explode, and you try to do that as quickly as possible. Um, not super in-depth, but pretty fucking hilarious and a nice little time waster definitely on brand um interesting though that it was included in doom 3 of all things because that like really has an inc incongruous sort of uh vibe with the rest of doom 3 where they were trying to turn doom into some kind of survival horror shooter 
but I mean, I guess it makes sense. You need a contrast considering that the previous dooms were so over the top and kind of campy that when they went super serious, they're going to have something in there like that. I guess so. It, it strikes me as that kind of developer. Yeah, they got to they got to bring a, a moment of levity somewhere, I guess. All right. My number three is Galaga mm. from the Tekken loading screen for the PlayStation one. So what Namco did when in the early days of the PlayStation, I think they did it in a couple other games. I can only really think of two off the top of my mind, which is Tekken and Ridge Racer is while the game was loading into the system's RAM, you could play one of their old arcade games for Ridge Racer. It was Galaxian. And for Tekken, it's Galaga. And Galaga is infinitely superior to Galaxian. So being able to play that while you're waiting for your game to load is sweet. And I actually would prefer it if it just lets you keep playing the game instead of once it was, you know, once you died once, you have to play Tekken, which I think I actually like Galaga more than I like the first Tekken. <laughs> and if you like the first Texan, it, the first Texan, the first like Texan. The, <laughs> The king, the king of fighters, uh, Iron Fist in Texas. If you like the first Tekken more than you like uh, Galaga, uh, sure, you go for it. I would want to, you know, see what your other gaming tastes are because I think you're a little weird. But uh, yeah, Galaga is my favorite, third favorite mini game that I can remember from a game because Galaga is sweet. Number two. Right, we're we're closing in on the number one. So the the runner up for me, and I'm gonna be honest. I think in a way this this could very easily have been my number one, but it got knocked out mostly just because of how ubiquitous my number one has become. Um, but my my runner up is Pazak from Knights of the Old Republic, Star Wars. Uh, so it is a card game that is uh, entirely in the game of Knights of the Old Republic and its sequel, and it's also made its way throughout sort of the EU extended universe of, of Star Wars um, that Disney refuses to acknowledge or slowly might be coming around to acknowledging now that they realize they missed out on a golden opportunity. That's topic. You know what? It time. might be a, seeing what Disney does. It might be a good thing. They're refusing to acknowledge it. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, but the goal of the game is essentially to get the closest to 20 without going over, and it consists of a main deck of cards that's a shared deck, so the table deck, if you will, with four of each card numbered 1 through 10, and then you have a personal side deck that is made up of 10 cards that you choose, and then you randomly draw four cards from your side deck, and that's what you have in your hand, in addition to what you draw from the table deck, and... Your side deck cards could include a number of things. Generally, they're going to be modifiers. So it could be a plus card, which would add a certain value to another card that's on the table. You have a minus card. You could have a plus or minus, which functions as both. Um, and then there are other rarer ones that you find. Generally, you're going to find those by uh, actually playing and beating other uh, like more well-known Pazak players uh, throughout the game and you'll get those as rewards something like the tiebreaker card which if you play that guarantees that if you both tie you just automatically win which seems pretty busted um yeah. and then there's another one called like the double card which you can play and doubles 
the value of the last card that you played. Um, so there's a certain amount of strategy there. I spent a lot of time um, just in Knights of the Old Republic in general, because it's one of the few games I've played through to completion more than once just to see how the story would play out if I made different decisions, because I enjoyed it that much. But I also spent a whole lot of time at the Pazak tables, um, just wasting time playing this little card game within a game. Uh, so that is why it is my number two. What about you, Chris? Well, this list could have been all Final Fantasy for me. Mm. I think I had to withhold, you know, just making an all Final Fantasy list. I, I did my best, but I think you'll see that this is the direction that we're going for the rest of the time I'm here. By the way, I do want to say I am drinking Bush Light as my drink for the day. So no. there you go, if you wanted to know what I'm drinking. There you so go. my number two game is Blitzball from Final <laughs> Fantasy X. I had a feeling that that might show up. And I know that is a divisive one. I don't know why. I think it's very relaxing. I know some people think that Blitzball sucks. And I get it. But what did you want? You play RPGs. Probably the reason that you're playing an RPG is because you suck at sports games. So here's a <laughs> sports game that's, you know, more geared towards you that you probably won't suck at. And if you do suck at that, too, I can understand why you hate it. And you should probably just never play a sports game in general. The amount of depth that's really here in Blitzball is fantastic. You get to go around the world of Spira and talk to various players that you can just pick up and recruit to your team and assign contracts and kick all the shitty players that you start off with off your team. So that's always good. So you get good players. You level them up through experience. You get good rewards for doing it. Yes, you have to play a lot of it, but if you enjoy it like I do then that's not a problem. And you can get Waka's ultimate weapon, which makes it one of the easier ultimate weapons to get. All you got to do is just play the fucking game. <laughs> so if you hate it, I can understand why this would drive you up a wall or why you wouldn't use Waka. But I I, I enjoy my time with the Besaid Arox and I, I kick everyone's ass and it is a bit of a power trip because it does become extremely easy if you know how to do it correctly but yeah i mean who doesn't want that instant gratification of just beating up on bad teams i enjoy it and uh, you should too and if you don't i i get it you just don't like sports and it's not for everybody and i can respect that but at the same time i don't you should you should like this game number one All right, here we are, the top of the list, and it's uh, it's actually not too different from from my number two, as a matter of fact. But it it stole the number one spot because this thing has become an entity in and of itself at this point. But my number one goes to Gwent from the Witcher series. Uh, it is another in-game card game that has become so popular that it is its own game now. Um, it has been for a little bit. You can play Gwent as its own standalone game outside of uh, The Witcher. And the quick little rundown on that is you play with a dick deck. Play with a dick. <laughs> you play with a dick? You do. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 Geralt, man. He's He's got that thing out all the time. Apparently. So uh, the quick rundown on this is you play with a deck of a minimum of 22 cards. You draw 10 as your hand and you use that for the whole game. And a game consists of three rounds and you have to win two out of the three to win the match. 
And the play field that you are placing your cards on is actually broken up into three different lanes. You have close combat, long range, and siege. And the goal is to have more overall points than your opponent, which is the goal of a lot of games. But for this one, it's done by placing cards in their appropriate lanes. And each card has a point value assigned to it. Um, additionally, there are cards that have uh, extra modifiers that affect the game in some way, like adding plus one to all other cards in the same row, destroying certain cards of a value or higher, etc., etc. Um, there is a surprising amount of strategy that goes into it, um, probably why it got spun off into its kind of own standalone thing. Um, I personally, I think, have more uh, attachment to Pazak, as I probably made pretty clear in my number two, but I felt like I needed to give the number one to Gwent just because of uh, how how big it's become kind of in its own way. So that is my number one spot. So what what has taken it for you, Chris? It's another Final Fantasy. Shocker. Game. I know it's another Final Fantasy mini game. It is probably the best part of this Final Fantasy game. And it it's so good that this part actually made it into other Final Fantasy games. More more like a subscription service. Mm. And this game is called Triple Triad. Ah, uh, yes. From Final Fantasy VIII, which is too a card game. Now, the thing about Final Fantasy VIII is that you can pretty much challenge everybody at any time in any situation. And actually, I think the base game that it starts you out with is the best part of it. Now, unfortunately, Final Fantasy VIII does what Final Fantasy VIII will do, and that is try its hardest to fuck it up by throwing a bunch of rules at you uh, and constantly adjusting it, which, okay, every once in a while, it's it's good and fresh, uh, but sometimes they, they have some bullshit rules like random draw or just some weird shit. Uh, it's been a long time since I've played it, but I know that by the end of the game, I'm extremely frustrated that they ruined the best part about Final Fantasy VIII. It's a fantastic card game. And if you ever have the opportunity to find it and you can play it standalone from Final Fantasy VIII, I highly recommend it. Uh, you get cards by beating your opponent, which uh, the game is played that you're, you're on a three by three grid, if I remember correctly, and maybe a little bit bigger. And what you do is you, you put your cards down on the grid and... Yes, three by three. You put a card down on the grid, and, and the card has numerical values in four directions. And if you put a card down next to another card and it has a higher numerical value, your card will flip that card to your color. And whoever has the most amount of cards in their color on the grid wins at the end of the game. It's kind of like a uh, kind of like a very narrow-minded Othello, but that that's what makes it very addictive too. So. Yeah, play Triple Triad. It's my favorite card game from the Final Fantasy series. It's much better than the shitty one in Final Fantasy IX, which makes no sense that they force you to play. And you are not forced to play Triple Triad, by the way. You can take it or leave it. But if you do take it, you have the opportunity to get some fantastic items a lot easier than if you just did it the traditional way. And that's I think that's the way they want you to play it as well. But you'll have a good time because Triple Triad, mm, it's delicious. It is, mm, it's so juicy. But, uh, <laughs> that, wow, that's actually a surprisingly apt segue into what I wanted to say next, which was uh, I would like to throw out an honorable mention, as a matter of fact, mm. uh, that is also 
delicious and juicy, and that is the butt battles from Dead or Alive Extreme. <laughs> the what battles? Butt battles. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be shitting me. I, uh, I guess that's a... I am not, sir. No, as if playing Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball was not enough. Uh, part of the mini games in that series involves you and another scantily clad woman uh, standing in the middle of a pool on a precarious platform and you have to slam your butts together and you have to be the last one standing. That is a thing that happens. I want to play some butt battles. This is now something I need to invest my time in. Definitely. Some juicy butt, some juicy butt battles. I don't know if they're addictive or not, but uh, mm. Mm, ad addictive butt. Remains to be uh, seen, but felt it needed to be mentioned anyway. So I guess that's our top five minigames. Yeah, that's it. I think that brings us to a close. So uh, you know what? If there are any that you felt that we missed or ones that you feel should be in your own personal top five, uh, you know, feel free to to let us know. Send us send us a message. Uh, if you're in the Discord, then throw one in there, or you know, uh, post some post a comment or something like that. We'd love to hear it. Um, and you know, if this is your first time listening, then uh, hi, hello. We are we're glad that you're here. Um, if you'd like to engage with us and the show outside of just listening to these episodes that we drop every week for you, you can do that. And all you need to do is head over to Linktree slash Retro Hangover, and you can hop into the aforementioned Discord. You can check out our socials or the YouTube channel or uh, the Patreon or merch store if you'd like to support the show in that fashion. Uh, or if you'd like to hang out with us in real time, you can do that over at Twitch. Chris, what, what, what do we do at Twitch and when do we do it? At twitch.tv slash retro hangover, we play games. Uh, right now it's probably Lunar. Forever. <laughs> it will always be forever. Lunar forever. Well, at least Eternal Blue is coming to an end. Shane is starting up the Silver, Silver Star though. So yeah. if you're looking forward to that, it's there. Uh, I might be playing the Four Job Fiesta by the time you're listening to this. I probably will be because I can't game for the next couple days. And by the time you hear this, I should be able to game again. So if you are around, I'm not going to make notifications in the Discord. So you do need to subscribe to twitch.tv slash retro hangover to see me play the Four Job Fiesta because I'll just be playing that during the week and having a good time with that. Also, uh, as Shane was talking about the patrons, I would like to thank our newest patron, Thunderdome Gaming Society, and also a thank you to Adam from The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, who increased his donation to the 16-bit tier. So thanks, both of you, and thanks to all our patrons, as Shane said, for generously donating. We appreciate it. Absolutely. And I suppose with all that being said, until next time. Play with your I'm playing with my dick of Gwent joysticks. <laughs>